Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. I am so privileged and honored that God has given me an opportunity to bring His Word to, to so many wonderful people. Every one of you here is called by God to be here tonight. You are sons of the living God, sons and daughters of the living God. And the privilege to, that I've received to be able to stand here and deliver his word to you is a tremendous privilege, and I'm so thankful for it. Uh, everyone in here has been specifically invited by the Spirit of God to be here for a reason. And I realize that, I recognize that, and I just want you to know that I'm, I'm approaching this with soberness because it's not a small thing. Um, but I've, I've received direction from the Holy Spirit, worked all day on getting things laid out for, for the message tonight, and I never really felt that. Just, I just didn't feel it. If anybody else can relate to that. But about an hour ago, it came. The, the anointing came. So it's going to be a mixture of what I got put together, but mostly, if I can be obedient, mostly what God wants to say. So with that, there's quite a bit to say. Um, let's go ahead and get started. Um, first thing I want to do is set the atmosphere. And there are spirits that hang around churches because they want to disrupt what God wants to do. And so I'm going to take authority right now over every unclean spirit that desires to disrupt what God's doing in this place. Not just in this sanctuary, but I'm talking the whole building. Um, uh, and I'm, and I'm going to speak directly to those spirits. may not know your names, but you know mine because I'm a son of God. You know who I am. And I'm telling you right now in the presence of these people, and, and they're all going to join with me right now in, in the mindset and in the spirit, leave. You, you must leave this place. This is God's house. You're not welcome here. You have to leave. It's not debatable. And you have to leave now. So go. And I feel a change. I feel a change in the spirit. I'm getting goosebumps. I like those. So with the spirit set, with the atmosphere set, tune in if you, if you can. I'm going to try to do it at the same time. So that would be a good thing. Um, tune in to what's going on here tonight. What I'm going to be teaching about is day-old bread. Uh, how many knows what a staple is when it comes to food? You, I'm not going to ask you to say it, but anybody know? Let's get some freedom. There you go. Peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, it actually is. Um, it is a food that is eaten often, and in such quantities that it constitutes a dominant portion of a standard diet. 
uh, needed uh, for the survival and health, supplying a large fraction of energy uh, of energy needs and generally supplying a significant portion of other nutrients as well. Bread is considered to be a staple. Has anybody ever ate bread? Eaten? Yeah. Yeah. It's a staple. Uh, and, and it has been for so many cultures and so many societies down through time, it's a staple. If, if you were going on a journey, you took bread because you were going to need it. You were going to need the energy. Now, uh, I have a bunch of stuff on bread. That's all you're going to get, really, what I just said. Um, I realize that in these days, microwaves can make day-old uh, bakery items taste very good. And pretty much uh, of, the, of the savings in, in our food budget, we don't have a problem with food uh, deteriorating with the help of refrigerators and deep freezes. So we can manage to keep our health and energy levels up to par, even in Biblical days, bread was a staple that would last for days um, as they traveled and, and may very well uh, set out overnight with a cloth to cover it. So day-old bread wasn't something that they didn't have. But God was particular about the bread that he gave. Um, God provided a staple for his people, and while they traveled through the wilderness, uh, it was it was called manna. How I many has heard of that before? Yeah, I, I knew that. Um, kind of like a Sunday school class right now. But this manna was a different kind of bread. It was uh, it was like uh, coriander seed. How many people know what that is? Wow. Two, three. Okay. Uh, for those of you who don't. It's, it, it was white and it tasted as if it was wafers made with honey. Okay. They called it manna because they didn't know what it was. And that's basically what manna means is what is it? They didn't know what it was, but God provided it. And he was particular about the way that they ate it. There was an abundance of it that laid on the ground after the dew was evaporated in the morning. Okay. They don't know when it got there necessarily, but they knew when the dew uh, would evaporate in the morning, it was, it was going to be there after they got used to it. Uh, there was an abundance of it, and it was a small, round thing, and about as small as frost on the ground. So they were to go out uh, and, and gather that. Uh, there was enough to feed each member of each family all day, and when the sun got hot, uh, what was left laying melted away. Um, he that gathered much had nothing left over. And he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man, woman, child, according to uh, his eating needs. Moses told them to eat all that they gathered and to not leave any until the morning. They didn't listen to Moses. Whew, imagine that. They didn't listen to Moses. Moses. Uh, some left 
some left some of it till morning. And uh, it bred worms and it stank. So they thought that they were going to try to get one over on God, but you'd never get one over on God. They thought that they could do it their way and kind of hedge against tomorrow, you know, build up a little reserve so that in case the manna wasn't there, they could still be able to eat. Uh, but God, being particular, he, he didn't, he didn't want to go that way. There was an exception to the saying, uh, till saving till morning principle. On the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much as they needed. And they could prepare it whichever way they want. They could uh, cook it or whatever they, whatever they did with it. What was left over kept until tomorrow. It did not stink and did not breed worms. So they had food for the Sabbath and did not have to gather it. God wanted them to work on, on six days and rest on the seventh day. God's really serious about that. Not, not just when he's making manna and, and giving it to you. God's very serious about six days of work and rest on the seventh. Um, God is also serious about responsibility. So being responsible for the children of Israel, uh, God had responsibilities too. In Deuteronomy 2 and 7, it says, The Lord your God has blessed you in all that you have done. He has known your wanderings through the great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have not lacked a thing. So God was serious about taking care of us, but he did it in six days. And he rested. And he wants us to rest. I'm just saying. Agree with it or don't agree with it. God wants us to rest every seventh day. Uh, why didn't God give them food that didn't run out? He wanted them to work. Um, he wanted them to uh, gather the gift of, of the food daily. Because, this is my opinion, I didn't find this in scripture. But just knowing the way we are, we'll forget where it comes from. If we, don't, if we don't go out and get the blessings and pick them up and be, come in contact with them and consider it, where did this, whatever it is, what is it? Where did, where did it come from? They knew it came from God. He provided it for them, but not on the seventh day. They just made it take, you know, it, it just lasted. Now that's a work of God. The manna is a work of God. The fact that they had anything to eat whatsoever before the manna, there was quail. And that was quite, a, quite an issue. Uh, they, they ate quail until it was coming out their nose. Um, so they had plenty of quail, but they wanted bread too. And, and God took care of that and he gave them bread. Um, Acts 14 and 17 said, And yet he did not leave himself without witness. Uh, in that he did good and gave, uh, gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. God 
gives us a witness. And all of the things that God has done for us and all the blessings that God has uh, just poured out on us through our lives stand as testimonies of the goodness of God and his provision. So if, if we fail to receive his provision, that's on us. The witness is there and it will be there. Philippians 4.19 said, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. God hasn't changed on anything. He told us in, Matthew, or in Malachi 3 and 6, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, let's take a minute and consider how big and how good God has been to us. If you do that on a regular basis, you're going to see more and more that God has done for you. And the more you see and the more you thank him for it, the more there'll be. It's just increases and increases and it grows and it grows. There is, uh, there's no stopping it really. Don't worry. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. You're... Do I need to give you some time to turn there? Do you want to turn there? It's good because we're going to talk about that in just a second. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom and his, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's nice to read that. How many believe it? Okay. Probably sick. <laughs> okay. Um, that's the thing. If we believe something, we live it. And... If we're worrying about, about little things that we have need of, if we're worrying about how we're going to get that, and how we're going to pay for it, how it's going to come about and end up in our hands and in our homes, then we really don't believe. If we really believed, then we would be thanking him for the things that we don't have enough of and we have to figure out how it's going to get there or or whatever, he'll provide it, and we start thanking him. And that's the difference in our lifehood, in our livelihoods today. Uh, it's becoming a real issue in the church, um, is that over the years, and yeah, over the years, this country that we live in has worked diligently to take away all kinds, everything that's stable that, that we can count on. It has gone downhill, 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 and they've set regulations one after another as to how we are to, not only how we're supposed to speak, but how we're supposed to think. That's been put on us, and the church has actually started to fall under that. So uh, political correctness, uh, plays into the church. And I'm sorry, there is no political correctness in the church. There's only truth and error. And 
God is responsible for the truth. But we, we bring the mindset into church and we're careful not to say the wrong thing. Well, it, it's good to be polite. It's good to be sociably agreeable. But it's not good to suppress the word of God and to suppress the things of God. We need to allow them to flow, to come out. And we should be speaking the things of God. Now that's taking me uh, down the path that I want to go. Um, there are things that are going to happen in this church it's been it's been spoken, and I believe it's true. I believe it's coming to coming to pass that we are going to be become more aggressive in the spirit. That we will learn how to uh, take control and alter uh, the the atmosphere that we li- that we live and exist in. Um, so um, in. Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 15, if you'll turn there. The thing that I I hope to really impress upon everybody here tonight is our position in the kingdom of God. how How we ended up where we are and what it means to be where we are. And how to maintain our position, how to stay effective in that position. Everybody in in Matthew 17, beginning in verse 15, Lord, have mercy on my son. Now, this is uh, Peter, James, and John that that, uh, this, this man is talking to Jesus about. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. Uh, Your version might say epileptic. Uh, And sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water and I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him why would they bring him to his disciples anybody okay they figured he had they had a lot of faith but they end up bringing him to Jesus Um, and Peter James and John were with Jesus so they had taken them Taken, he had taken their son to one or some of the other disciples, not Peter, James, or John. So it's not the, the high-ranking ones, which there aren't high-ranking ones. But that's our, that's our way of thinking, position and, and, and authority and all that. But they had apparently, yes, they had been sent. Exactly. Yes. So they were going to Right. Just like all of us, we, we've been casting out devil. No, wait, we haven't. <laughs> so that's a very good point. They were sent out. And so these people were expecting some, uh, some power to be, to be uh, exerted there and, or, or uh, issued there and some deliverance to take place for, for his son. But whichever disciples he took them to, he took him to, were unable to cast out the demon. Now, these are disciples. It doesn't say apostles. It, it says disciples. So Peter, James, and John uh, weren't with them, but some of Jesus' disciples, okay? And disciples basically comes from uh, the word discipline. So they were people who were disciplined in their lives 
to follow Jesus and to take on the work of, of Jesus' followers. So uh, they, they weren't able to do anything. And then Jesus answered and said, everybody ready for this? O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart. Safe face, you know. We didn't want to talk to him about it right there. They'd already been chewed out. Um, but they waited till they were apart from the crowd and said, why could uh, not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief, how can that be? They had unbelief, but they had already been out and were casting out devils. So much so that this guy brought his, brought his son to them to see a work. To, to see him delivered. But now Jesus says, because of your unbelief. For verily I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So Jesus was ready for it because Jesus had a lot of prayer and he fast, he fasted. Uh, we, we may end up actually even talking about that in a little bit, but he was training people, his followers who were to be children of God. He was training them how to operate and move in the spirit. But they had unbelief, even though they had done it before. And that's what I was talking about a minute ago when, when I said, just like we've all done, because I knew that we haven't. Uh, we've let things go. We've let people walk away uh, from this place in bondage, captured. <clears throat> Why would we do that? Because we didn't believe. Faith is a, is a big thing. He said faith is a grain of mustard seed. It doesn't really matter. He, he said that because it doesn't matter how big your faith is. Actually, your faith is your faith. Every man is given the measure of faith. And so faith, no matter how big or small it is, true faith is faith. And doubt is the unbelief. That cancels faith out. Yes, that's true. That's much like um, train up a child in the way that they shall go, and when they're old, they shall not depart from it. The word that a lot of people miss there is train. They think that just means raise your child uh, when they're young. But training is something you can ask anybody that plays football uh, or that has played football on the, on the team our basketball doesn't make any difference. Training is being made to do things that you don't want to do. You have to stretch what you have. You have to develop what you have. And, 
in, in this case, she said you can build your faith. Well, actually your faith is the same, but your understanding of your faith grows. You, you begin to see where your faith works and how it works. And the way you deduce all this and bring this all together in, in your mind is by doing it over and over and over again. Um, probably most of the time when people have unbelief, uh, it's partnered with pride. Because nobody wants to go cast out a devil at somebody and then, and then have that devil rise back up. And then it makes it look like, well, you're, you're nobody. You know, what, what in the world are you doing talking like that? What, 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 do you think you're, what do you think you're made of? This person's as bad off as they were before, maybe worse. You know, because people start thinking and, and they start rolling uh, when, when they think, and that's unfortunate. <laughs> but uh, Jesus made it clear, prayer has to be in it and fasting. And what I want to talk to you tonight about is, uh, is faith, for one thing. And uh, another thing is about uh, reading the Word. Now, um, with wanting to operate in the Spirit, we have to understand a few basic things. Number one, we have to believe it. And if we believe it, we have to speak it because it's important to know what to say, but you didn't say it until you say it. When we speak something, it becomes ours. It, it comes from us and it's established. It's out and it'll never come back. It's over. You said it. You can't unsay it. So you have to first know what to say and then you have to know why to say it. And the reason why is because it's the will of God. So I'm not suggesting that we just go out and randomly grab people and try to throw spirits out of them. That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, and, and we don't need to get a big head. That's pride, uh, which it would be easy to do. When you're successful in the spirit, pride is the biggest thing you have to fight. If you don't believe me, try fasting for 10 days. The whole time you're fasting, your flesh is going to war against you. It's going to bring you down. It's going to talk you down. It's going to, you're going to be hungry. Oh, I got to eat. I got to eat. I, I can't keep doing this. But as soon as you make it past your goal, the first thing to rise up and brag about it is the flesh. It fought you all the way through. But then it wants to brag about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. It wants to brag about it when it's done. The, the flesh is always at war with the spirit. So coming down to that, we first we have to believe. And I want to look in, uh, in Matthew. You, you're probably already in Matthew chapter 8. Um, we have to believe. And we have to believe the right way. You are not some great superhero. Marvel is not going to make a comic book about you. You're, you're not that. Uh, well, you, know, you never know they might. They make comic books about everything. Um, but it's not you. And I want to take you to chapter 8 and verse 8. 
verse 7, And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. A man under authority. Having soldiers under me. So he was under authority and he had authority. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. So he understood authority. Why could he say that to these people? Because he had been given authority from his superior officer. When Jesus heard it, heard it he marveled and said unto to them that followed. He didn't just say it to the centurion. The centurion was a Roman, by the way. He's a Roman soldier. Um, he said uh, to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. How about that? A Roman centurion had demonstrated more faith than any that Jesus had seen in, in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall uh, sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's no favoritism with God. There's no favoritism. Your pedigree goes nowhere with God except your pedigree through Jesus. And that's the thing. Jesus has all power. He said that all power in heaven and earth has, was given to him. He had all power in heaven and earth. Now, where did he get that power? From God. The ultimate, the highest authority and power in existence. There's no higher. And so authority flowed to Jesus who gives authority to his believers. He did it. Just came right out and told them to go out and do it. So the, the authority flowed to Jesus and then flows to Jesus' servants. He's my Lord. So I have authority from Jesus that comes from God. And that's why I was able to pray the way I was at the beginning of, of this message because I have authority. You are the children of God through your faith in Jesus. God is not up there playing games with us. He sees what we face. He knows what we face. He came to earth himself in, in a physical bodily form, human form, and experienced every temptation, every trial. He experienced it all. Everything that you have faced. So he knows all about it. He's not playing favorites with anybody. But you don't pull the wool over, over Jesus' eyes. You don't pull the wool over his eyes. He knows it all. He's the only real live know-it-all. I've met a lot of people who thought they were know-it-alls. 
But Jesus is the only one that qualifies. He's the only one that qualifies. You have been led here by the Holy Spirit to learn about conforming to the will of God. That's what we're here to learn. The reason you can do these things is because of the authority that's been given you uh, as you follow the word of God, as you obey the commandments that Jesus left us, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, um, all, all of his commandments, and, I'm, and I can't go through all of them. But um, Jesus had to rely on certain things, and that's kind of where I want to go right now. I do have time. Um, the lesson in, in, uh, in Jesus going to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, uh, the temptation, the first temptation that he faced after fasting uh, was the temptation for necessities. Things I was talking about earlier. Where do I get, where am I going to get this? Where am I going to get that? And his flesh, in the flesh, he had to learn what he already knew in the spirit. Um, he had to learn to trust in the word of God. He being God in the flesh and having to go through this 40 days and 40 nights do we expect that we are going to be able to do the things that he gives us to do without any prayer or fasting? Without knowing the word of God? We have to know the word of God because those are the words that God spoke, not what I speak. What I speak is irrelevant. What God speaks is perfectly true, completely true. So in order to be able to do that, we have to know the word of God. Um, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added to you. So he knew that. How did he know that? He knew that it was in the word. Well, he also knew it because he was God in the flesh. But I can't even imagine how he didn't reach past his, his manhood into his ultimate power and throne and how he was able to humble himself and, and, and step out of that spot. And as a man, he had to train his body. He had to train the human part of him. He said to seek the, seek the kingdom um, first and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So, he had to he had to learn the word of God, and that's about where I'm gonna where I'm gonna camp for a little bit here. I feel very strongly that in the last couple months that God has been impressing me that with the fact that people don't read the Bible. We as Christians must spend time in the Bible. Read the Bible. And we really should read out loud when we pray uh, in our homes or here, uh, wherever we pray, we should pray out loud. Um, if you've got something to pray about that wouldn't be fitting, 
in, in front of the company around you. You can use common sense there, but we should pray out loud because as I said before, what comes out of your mouth is what you said. And if it matches what God said, and we claim our relationship to the Father through Jesus, every spirit absolutely understands that they are subject to Jesus. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess, confess that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. They know that. And that's where we have to really get past. Once we spend time in the Word of God and we learn the Word of God, then we have the words to say with confidence, I have authority. Not in myself. I'm not a superman. But I am a child of the Most High God. And I've been given authority through my Lord, Jesus Christ. And to use that authority to change the atmosphere that I'm in. I can, I can command an unclean spirit to leave. And you get resistance. You can feel he, the spirit doesn't want to leave. But you don't have to take that. You don't have to stop with that. That's when you come back and say, I have the authority. It's been spoken. You don't have a choice. It's not up for debate. It's over. I said it. You have to leave and you have to leave now. Not in a second from now. We don't want to discuss it. As I said, it's not up for debate. You have to leave because the authority of God says that you have to leave. You see, when you, when you speak that, when you're in there and, you're, and you're, you feel the Spirit, you know that the Spirit's in this, when you speak that, you can say the Word of God says you have to leave. The authority of God Almighty says you have to leave. You don't want to fight it out with God. You know you have to leave. Go. It's that clear and that straightforward because you do have authority. Now, when you buy a new home or rent a new, a new place to, to stay, to live, the first thing you do, I'm not going to try to embarrass anybody by, by asking you to show your hands, but the first thing you should do is go through the home and anoint every opening to that home. Windows, doors, anoint the whole opening the whole home and set boundaries and claim that home for Jesus. This is, this is Jesus' home. He lets me live, it, live in it. He's given it to me to take care of. And part of taking care of it is defending it. So every unclean spirit that is, a, that is not of God, every unclean spirit must leave Go through your home and pray it and pray it out loud. It doesn't matter who's there. You're there. And if you're there and you're praying this, Jesus is there. It doesn't make any difference. You go through and you pray. It's good if you can get your spouse to go along with you and do it. And if, he's the, and if your spouse is the head of the house, then he should be doing it. But somebody's got to do it. Because until you do it, it's, it's fair play. It's common domain, public domain. They can come and go as they please. But when you set up the barrier, you have set up a barrier 
in the name and authority of Jesus Christ. You should do that. If you haven't done it, do it. Because those, those spirits will play with you. They'll mess with you. They'll mess with, with everything about your household. Then if you have one that doesn't pay attention, you can bring him before the Lord. Afterwards, they come back in. You can bring them before the Lord. Lord, I, I instructed these spirits to leave. I warned them and told them that they had to do what I said because I was operating in your authority. Now they're back. Will you please take care of this? Now it's in God's hands. <laughs> they don't have to say, you know, uh, Paul I know and Peter I know, but who are you? They won't say anything like that. And they really won't say it to you either because you're a child of God. And if you know you're a child of God, which you do know because you read your Bible faithfully, they know you're a child of God and you have the authority through that relationship with God. They will obey. They will do it. It's not, this isn't spooky stuff. If, if God's not spooky, then the devil's not spooky either. We, we are spiritual beings. Um, why, are we, why did God even choose to make man? Um, I had that written down here. It was, it was good. I don't know if I'll find it again. Um, but essentially, an eternal God created a, um, a carnal bunch of people that he could teach about his attributes and they could learn it so that he could spend an eternity with what's inside that flesh and blood creature that he created. He wants to enjoy eternity with you more than you want to enjoy eternity with him. His love is so pure and so perfect. Um, there's, there's no way that we can really totally understand it. I'm just about out of time. So, um, the biggest thing that, that I, if, if there's one thing you get out of tonight, is pray and read your Bible. Before you read, pray. Pray while you read the Bible. Learn what the Bible says about all creation and you. Everything was made by him and for him. I'm talking about Jesus. Everything was made by him and for him. He has all authority. Now, all is three letters, but it's a big word. He has all authority. And he has given that to us. Did I read? Yeah, I read about the centurion. Who was he? He was a guy that was drafted. He ended up in the military and he did well. So he, he went up in the ranks of the military. But he understood authority and how it works. And that's what Jesus was impressed with. He said, I haven't found faith like this anywhere in Israel. That's what he was impressed with. He understood where he was. He wasn't proud. Wasn't too proud to ask Jesus to take care of it. But he was smart enough to know that Jesus didn't have to be there in the flesh. All Jesus had to do was say the word. All you have to do is say the word.
He gave that to us. He, he empowered us with that on our rebirth. So reading your Bible, praying, and learning it. Yeah, you should fast too. Uh, I don't want to downplay that. But, but knowing what you, what you have to say, knowing what you're saying is vital. And when you know it, after you say it, you will become stronger in it. After, after you say it and it happens, you become stronger and you feel it instantly. You know that the power is working. There's no doubt about it. Now, every one of you here tonight was called here by God. Something convinced you to get up from the dinner table or the TV, whatever it might have been, whatever you were doing. Get up and come in here. That was God calling you. You're supposed to hear what's being spoken here tonight. And it's 7.56, so there's time for questions, comments, anybody. How do you feel? Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Good. Yes. I agree. That, that's the way it is. It's, there's not a gray area. There's not a gray area in faith. You either believe or you don't. It's not, a, it's not a gray area. And attending a class doesn't empower you unless you learn what God has to teach you in the class and you apply it. Learning it's not enough. The devil knows there's one God and he trembles. So that's not enough. Anybody else have anything to say? Do you have the authority to go home and pray, pray over your home? Do you know what to say? Oh, yes. 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 Does it keep uh, bothersome, annoying commercials from coming on your TV? No. No, but it does enable you to do what you know to do and turn it off or change channels, whatever it is that you have to do. You have the power to do it because those spirits left. They're not there to tempt you in authority. I perceive that you, you honestly, sincerely believe in what you're doing. Where'd you come up with that idea? Out of the church? Where'd they get the idea? Where I, I'm fishing. I'm, I'm, I'm tugging on it. Right. Okay. It's written. It's the Word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word. That's not strictly the Bible. He speaks to us personally. Those words are, are in it as well. Yes, I do it too. Okay, great. That's good. That's good. Well, I'm sorry. Done it for years. Yes, sometimes, almost every day we need it, really. Uh, we don't have to go through a routine because routines don't work. Uh, it's not an incantation or anything. It's just the Word of God and faith. Speak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not a special set of words, just God's Word. So uh, I'm going to dismiss in prayer if you will join me. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We love you dearly. And we intend to be with you in eternity. 
until that time, we know, oh God, that you have provided everything that we have need of in this world. Everything that we possibly could imagine that we need to live honestly and righteously and holy for you. We are in a learning process and sometimes we make mistakes, but we depend heavily upon you, your Holy Spirit, dealing with us and and leading us and guiding us in the things that we should do. Please anoint us and draw us to your word so that we know what things you specifically have said that apply to us and make us sensitive, every one of us. Help us to be sensitive to your voice and to be immediately responsive to the things that you show us and tell us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 